Hello and welcome to the Beautifully Nasty Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Wednesday, y'all. It is that time of the week. It is hump day and we are in a new month and I am so, so, so excited. Uh, March needed to end for me personally, but I think we ended on a higher note than the way I started. So uh, I'm going into April feeling feeling real good. Um, this month's topic for April is how to love yourself in the social media age. I'm really excited to talk about this because this is what gets me. This is where I feel like my I developed anxiety and maybe depression from social media. I think it plays a huge role in all of our lives at this point. So it just, it felt necessary to do this topic. And I'm very excited to learn and maybe even vent and talk about this topic because it's just, it's something that I just, it comes up all the time in all of my interviews. And it's something that I've struggled with and still struggle with. And, um, and I'm constantly working to make my social media platform a positive influence in my life and not allow the negatives to take over. But it it is hard. It is hard. So I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for a cure is what I'm looking for. <laughs> so I'm just playing. But I hope that we all can find some uh, tools to help us be use social media in a more positive light um, and kind of eliminate the negatives. So I'm super excited. And today I have a really wonderful guest who talks a lot about just how social media is like an addiction and like the science behind it and also how it has factored into his career. Um, and we just, it's a great conversation. He is so wonderful. So I'm excited to share the episode for today. So without further ado, here is Alex. Okay. Well, hello everyone. And welcome to the Beautifully Nasty Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca. And today I have a special guest named Alex. Welcome, welcome to the show. So happy to have you today. Thank How you so you? much. Special guest. Is that what you call all of us? Or am I am I special I, just in your heart? What, I think what? you are. I think you are a special one. I think oh. you are a special guest. So some of well, the, some, some other people that I've had, I just said, these are the guests today because, you know, they're my friends and I'm like, I talk to you all the time. So you Well, are, you can't see listeners, but I am blushing. <laughs> but I do have the video, so I could show them later <laughs> oh. online. No, I'm all right. Kidding. But anyways. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into all of the social media conversation and stuff like that. Oh, where to begin? I'm such I a know. complex individual with a lifetime of experience. No. Well, I'm from Massachusetts. I don't know why I lead with that. There's some semblance of pride when it, when it comes to that. Yeah, so, I, I, I do the same thing. I'm from yeah. Massachusetts as well. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> proud, proud mass holes over here. I did, a, I did a considerable amount of work to be able to hide my accent, though. So. Same. Well, we can't have that accent in in theater or <laughs> TV because it just is. It puts us in a box, a very small box. Are we all just in somebody's box? <laughs> right. Isn't it all? This is how I like to start a podcast. Right to the existential. <laughs> Aren't we all just a box, box on a list? 
Yeah. So uh, I was born and raised in New Bedford, actually. So I, I don't, I, I'm not one of those Massachusetts people that's like, oh, I'm from Boston. Just to make it easier on somebody, it's like, I, I think somebody could could understand New Bedford, even if they didn't know it. It's like, why lie and then go through the, or why generalize and then go through the, <laughs> I know. Whole, but like, oh, but actually Boston, because like I went there once and like, I'm curious if you know the one guy I met. <laughs> I, so. I kind of am that person. Oh, you're that person? That's okay. Because um, I'd be like, oh, you're from Boston? Where? Because I'm actually from Boston. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get to say that because you are like like pretty much, not, not Boston proper, but what, what was it? Like Roxbury or like? Uh, yeah, I'm right near Roxbury, Jamaica Plain. Okay, Water. there you go. So see, that counts. My, New Bedford's like an hour south of Boston. So I feel like that's that's teetering. I mean, like I'm like South Coast Mass. I'm not even like Boston adjacent you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. No, i mean no you are you are we'll, we'll go with that we'll let that yeah. we'll let that slide yeah <laughs> it's for for those of you not familiar quick little tidbit it was the new bedford was the whaling capital of the world when that was the thing so we are known as the city that lit the world so that's a fun little uh-huh. new bedford did not know that one yeah hey you know our mascot is the whaler <laughs> even though that's been outlawed for quite some time <laughs> I love how that's our history, but then like, you know, you, you go, okay, well, like what happened after whaling was outlawed then? And I think everybody from New Bedford's like, don't, we don't want to talk about it. Just yeah, we don't want forget to- it. <laughs> so forget it. Don't worry about it. This is not important. We didn't have a backup plan. I don't think we had a backup plan. You know, that. so if you want to come to Boston, you can drive an hour out and. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's a lovely little city. So there's that. And that's my entire identity. I'm from New Bedford, Mass. No. I was going to do the whole medical route, was going to be a PA before I became an actor, content creator, whatever, but quickly figured out that that was not the proper path. But I've been acting and doing all this creative stuff pretty much my whole life. I just started professionally in like 2000. I didn't realize that my, I'm living at home with my parents and they have a house phone, but like nobody has house phones anymore. So I yeah. forget when like the random two calls during the day. Let me just unplug that and I will edit this out. All good. But, That's hilarious because who, who you has should just keep phone? it in because who, who has a house phone anymore? That's who like that, that rang phone? and I was like, what is that sound? <laughs> if that's my childhood right there. Who uh, has a house phone? I know. What do they actually use it for? I would love to know. I have to believe it's truly only for people like I constantly or I should say frequently get calls from some police department in Massachusetts looking for donations or something. And I'm like, like, did you do something? Yeah, Yeah, there's a warrant out for your arrest (laughs) and we can't find you, but it'd be great if you could turn yourself in. No, I don't. I didn't do anything that I am aware of that anybody could arrest me for. But. But yeah, they're always trying to collect money or it's like some Chinese, Japanese, like automated situation. And I'm like, why would anybody do this to themselves anymore? Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. I know. Yeah. Your parents are probably like, it came with the package. It was cheaper to do it with it, the phone. Than- like, that was exactly, that was, that was the conversation that we had. Yeah. It's that. always how it goes. Always how it goes. Oh, man. Okay, so you were going to school to be a PA. I was, yeah. Which is very different from what you're doing now. There are a lot of parallels. No, I think I once, I'm a little bit of a 
germaphobe. I was much worse back then than I am now Oh, because COVID made me just kind of be like, well, because I got it. Yeah, uh, I got it too. Yeah. Like right when it happened in like March. Yeah. So I was like, when did I found out a- I did, but I don't think that's where I got it because I had already quit my restaurant job, oh. left the service industry for good before COVID like really hit us hard. But my point is, is that I, where to go, where to go with it, right? My point is that I got it and COVID made me kind of be like, well, if I can still get COVID despite being the cleanest person I know, then it's not even worth it. <laughs> so, you know, let's just forget it. You know, I just, I just <laughs> dropped all semblance of like needing to be a psycho about a bunch oh of stuff. Oh my gosh. I, that is really funny that that's what you learned in COVID. Well, I mean, look, I'm not saying I don't wash my hands anymore, but it's like, you know, I still don't want somebody to sneeze on my face, but am I, you know, sort of freaking out at any given little germ related thing? Not as much as in my youth. So I think when I was figuring out if I wanted to do the PA thing, I was like, if somebody coughs on me or just like I get blood squirted on me in like the ER or something like that, I'm going to quit my job and be in like six figure debt. Why would I do this? Exactly. So I I said, you know what? I'll just play one on TV. You know, that's fine too. And make way more money doing it. Yeah. That's a perfect happy medium. I think. I I think, I I, I don't even think it's a medium. I think it's just a straight up win. Well, it actually, yeah, that is true. It is a win. Wins all around. A a starring or a reoccurring role on Grey's Anatomy spinoff or Scrubs spinoff, whatever. Which, well, not to, a, a, a bit of a shameless plug. I, Say it, do, do a plug. I am in a Grey's Anatomy spinoff. It's called Station 19. And uh, oh. it's, a, it's a firefighter show. But yeah, I, 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 I've, I think I've watched a few episodes. Oh, yeah. I'm in, I'm in season three of that. Oh, yes. That's yeah. awesome. What yeah. are you playing? I play this band member who gets saved from the main crew. A just quick shout out to the cast of uh, Station 19. Jaina Ortiz and Danielle, forget her last name, but she's the, you know, the, the blonde uh, female uh, lead of Station 19 as well. They were so warm and welcoming and like the best type of main cast that you could walk into being a guest. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I basically had a, a, like a, a guest star on the, on the show. So, um, so cool. I'm the drummer of the band and we get locked in a storage locker. And they come and save us. And there's a fair amount of comedy. And it's actually a really funny scene. So I was really happy when I booked it because I was like, this is actually funny. Yeah. Do you play the drums? I don't. I don't. Oh, so, so you didn't, that wasn't even required. It wasn't even part of it. There was no shot of us even playing the instruments because oh. I was looking it up. I, I, my, my roommate at the time, he is a bit of a musician, but much more of a singer. He's actually the lead of a metal band called Arc Metal. Shout out to them. And their shows are on point. They do like a, almost sort of like a performance theater, metal rock laser show. It's, Whoa, that's it's cool. Have they really had, dope. I'm sure they haven't had shows during COVID, obviously. No, but they have been working on, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. They have been working on an album. Awesome. Well, so, might as well during this time. Yeah, you know, shout out to everybody who's like actually trying to do something. You know what I, I mean? Know, like, I know. especially during COVID. So, yeah. so he was trying to give me some 
pointers. pointers on on drumming just for me to never even I was never even holding drumsticks on set. Oh, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just like help, and then we come out, and there's a whole scene, and oh, it's, it's pretty good. Oh my gosh! So check you out on season three of station yeah. 19 i wasn't going to bring it up but you said you know well, grace had to be spinoff and i had to just here. it's here we said yeah. it so there was no blood fake blood involved in that episode there was no fake not... blood but there was a lot of fake smoke and and fire. fire a lot of the fire is actually cgi believe it or not so it's not like i risked being burned but i had to go to the the onset medic because at one point they you know because you're wearing a lot of makeup and like mm-hmm. to make it look like there's a bunch of soot and all this other mm-hmm. stuff on you so some of the oils and the smoke or whatever which like got in my eye and i it was like literally burning and i couldn't see out of it for a little while so i had to go to the medic and I like <laughs> flushed it out and the whole thing it was, it was a scary moment and i was like oh no <laughs> uh, i ended up being fine i'm, I'm okay but but yeah that was a a, a little sketchy for a second oh but no that's crazy. all in all Great time. They were oh, a wonderful good. cast. I had a great like week and change on that set. And it's really good. It's, I want to say it's episode 312 or 319. If okay. anybody likes that show and wants to watch it, Please so you can you catch me. IMDb. It, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It's probably on there. It should be. That's how, you know, that's yeah. how that works, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is. I think my character's name was Neil. It was Neil the drummer. Neil, the drummer, but a uh, fun time, fun scene. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So but, you are, so you are an actor is as people can assume right now, based off of what we are talking yeah. about and yeah. you transitioned into, or you decided not to go to school. I went to, I went to mass college or MCPHS as For it was called year, back then right? For one semester. It's one semester. Okay. Yes. And I was like, mistake. And I got out of there before I really racked up the debt. And then I was Smart. like, you know, I, I mean, I had already, <laughs> thank you. I had already done a bunch of, you know, like drama club and show choir and all sure. that stuff. So the acting pursuit wasn't out of the blue, but when I was leaving school and I was telling mom, you know, my mom, you know, I'm not, I'm not going back. I think I'm going to do the whole acting thing. She was just like, are you sure? And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And she was just like, Cool. And has never um, questioned me or tried to oh. shoo me in the direction of another career path ever oh, again. So it's beautiful. been pretty undying support from, from pretty Good. much the start. That, that's awesome. Yeah. A lot of people are not that lucky. They usually get, what are you doing? Do you know the, the percentage yeah. of people who make it in that career? Yeah. Oh, I'm aware that I'm very yeah. lucky when it comes to her. I still got that though. There were other people in my family or, you know, friends of family or whatever, who'd be like, yeah, yeah. You know, you do that for a little while. And then, you know, when it doesn't work out, you get oh, serious yeah. and you find yourself a real job yep. type situation. And they don't even realize how offensive <laughs> that is. Um, yeah, but- no, I, they don't. <laughs> I've had many a conversation. I'm like, Okay, I have I'm working like a thousand different hours doing a thousand different jobs and auditioning for free. But please, please just downplay the amount of work that I'm doing. I'm not just killing myself for this career or anything. So I do get it. It all boils down to fear, though, you know, and ignorance, which so many people are afraid to pull the trigger on their own dream that they settle for some 
like existence that they wouldn't have otherwise been happy with, but do it because they think it's the only way to provide for their family or, or the right thing to do or something. So it's not necessarily that those people are always trying to be offensive when they're saying those things, but they truly believe that it's, you know, you got to do the realistic thing, the, the, the pragmatic, the thing that's going to actually pay the bills, you know? And it's like, yes, I understand the odds, but I personally feel that there's enough evidence at this point that, you know, I'm good. And that when I start to make that series regular or star of the yes. movie type money, yes. and it's more money than you've ever seen in your life, I'm not going to rub it in your face, but you're going to feel real dumb that you told me <laughs> to take the pragmatic approach. Cause let me tell you something, your salary is what I made in a week at my job. Okay. Yes, so. yes, yes, yes. That All is, right, buddy. That is great. <laughs> that is great. And you will do that. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Will. Thank so, you. As as a performer in New York City, it's a good transition into how do you feel social media plays a role? How much time do you got? How much time do we have here? It's it's a lot. And by no means with anything that we talk about from this point on, do I claim to be some sort of social media expert? Right. So oh, yeah, um, no, no, no. We're we're Neither of us are social media experts, but I do think we have a lot to offer to this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, you can learn something from anybody. Mm -hmm. So for anybody listening to this, who is maybe ahead in their social media use and, and benefits from it. And anybody who's maybe aspiring to be an actor and trying to figure it all out. Hopefully y'all get something out of this at the very least, just another. So it's, it's wild. This, this social media thing, I truly believe without obviously living in that era that it was arguably easier to make it or, or book work if you were talented and skilled in the golden age of, of film and sort of the rise of, of acting and filmmaking as we know it, you know, yes. between like the 60s and 70s when you had people like, you know, I mean, a very young Pacinos and De Niro's and stuff, but like, let's go from like Marlon Brando's, right? Yes. All the way to, you know, the Pacino and De Niro and Meryl Streep and all that stuff. And now you have some of these younger guys, men, women, and people just like killing it. It's just very different, right? There was no social media. And so it seemed that like agents did the agent thing, which was like, submit you for jobs and, and, you know, field the offers and negotiate the contracts. Mm -hmm. Your manager actually managed your career, introduced you to people, sent you out to be interviewed by such and such and whatever, blah, 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 set you up with this photographer and whatever. And you had a publicist and all that stuff as you got bigger and bigger. right? Right. But it was like, you went to the auditions, you networked. And if you had the stuff, I feel like, you know, regardless of the percentages, it's like, you know, you worked, right? You worked. So though there are more platforms for people to get onto now, I have personally found it to be more daunting in a way because now the actor is responsible for so much more than I feel that that we used to be. We used to just be able to be the actor. It's already hard enough. And then you got this whole layer of like, promoting yourself via social media and trying to make yourself look like something, whatever that something is that you want, you know, whatever type you want 
to come across. And it just, and instead of where you would just go into an audition and it's like, they would base it off of your performance, what you gave in the room. They don't have social media to look at videos of you dancing or I don't know, see all these, I don't know. It's just, it feels very, yeah. It just feels like a disadvantage if you don't have a following of some sort and try and you're trying to make it as an actor. Absolutely. And you know how many times I've seen, you know, must have X amount of followers on YouTube in in like a breakdown for casting. Yes. And you're just like, excuse me. So we've, I mean, America has always been this way with this capitalistic approach to everything. So that's them clearly saying doesn't matter what your talent level is. You know, it's more important that you have a big following so we can sell these tickets. Yes. So with that being said, gone, yeah, finishing my previous thought, it's like, you know, we're, we're responsible now for not only just being the actor, but being like the social media expert and the publicist and the manager and the agent. It's like, we have to do so much more mm-hmm. in 2021 than, you know, they had to do back in the 70s that, you know, it's hard sometimes not to be, you know, a little bitter at the fact that you, that there's so much weight on our shoulders you know if we're being candid right it's hard to not be anxious or maybe suffer from some sort of depression because it just feels like the odds are really against us and then it's like why am i worrying more about my social media than i am about the sides that i have in front of me right like it's it's it is crazy that because i feel like for myself i've gone through so much training over the years and it's like I invested money in that because I I want to be I wanted experience I wanted to be good at what I'm doing but now it's like it almost feels like your presence on social media and what you portray as who you are online is more imp- important than the work that you're actually doing yeah and it's <laughs> only you know compound that with the sentiment that I have been noticing from casting over the years that I've been auditioning in New York specifically is this sort of idea of like, they just want you, they want, they want you in the situation versus you creating a character, so to speak. Yes. That and is a breakdown that is often said. Yeah. Uh, and, and told in notes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, very mm-hmm. much just like drop what you're doing and like, just, just be you you know, and your mom's dead or whatever the scene calls for. Right. (laughs) And I just don't agree with that. That's not what acting is. If we wanted to just be us, then we wouldn't be actors because we'd be like, well, this is me and this is who I'm going to be, you know? So we want to step into the shoes and put on a costume and do an accent and a voice and a this and a that or whatever is appropriate, right? If you're a good actor, you know what's appropriate for uh, a character. You don't go in auditioning for SVU and put on like this weird leprechaun voice and, you know, and do a jig in front of casting, right? That's not what I'm talking about. It's Yeah, 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 totally. You put all the, if, if you even get the time to do this for an audition, you put this work in for a character and you put it together and you know, the cast director's got the nerves to give you some shit attitude because they've seen a hundred actors today and they're in a mood and mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, look, 
casting director, you get to sit in a nice cushy office and press the record button and like watch actors like pour their hearts out like all day, every day. Now, some of it may not be great, but you know, your slice of the pie is pretty like cushy. Okay. It's pretty sweet. So let's not act like, you know, oh, it's so hard for you. You know, it it would just be nice if it was the, the understanding of what our shoes was like was more reciprocated from them because it really is it it is a shitty feeling when you're you're you live like what in brooklyn or uptown and you go all the way you take the train you cross you take multiple trains to get to this one location you find the location then you have to go up then you have to wait then you you, oh oh no, no now they want you in the room right now and you're like oh oh okay and it's just a horrible feeling when you're you're like i I took myself here for you, for you guys. Like, I want to, I want to be here. I wouldn't have done all of this if I didn't want to be here. Can you kind of like understand that? Yeah. Show a little respect perhaps yeah. and, and a little patience. Like, can I get a second take maybe? Cause yeah. first take was, you know, I'm still catching my breath from climbing those stairs exactly, or exactly. whatever it is. And I, before I moved here for the better part of a year, I was driving from Massachusetts to Manhattan for for auditions through a whole pilot season and everything else so it was yeah it was a better part of the year zero bookings and i was driving there like you know several times a month yeah you know some once or twice a week maybe but they don't know that they don't know and they don't care it's not their problem to care and i get that you know Mm -hmm. it's not like i'm gonna go in there and be like i drove in massachusetts so you're gonna give me special treatment that's not what it's about Right. And and let me let me also just say for anybody listening, this isn't just like the 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 rant of a bitter actor. This is just like, you know, the 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 truth of the plight and part of how it goes. So this is the negative. There is a positive side. Well, so we'll get to that listeners. Don't worry. But <laughs> but there is there is a weight to, you know, all of what is expected of us these days. And so when you're getting bombarded with all of this, you know, attitude and expectations and pressure and all that stuff. How do you, how do you expect us to deliver when, you know, it was, it's already hard enough to do the acting work, then layer all that other stuff on. And it's just like next to impossible. So to book something is like short of a miracle because yes, there's all this other uh, stuff at play. Do you know what I mean? I, I, of course, (laughs) of course I know what you mean. I totally get it. It was, I was thinking about what you said when they always casting directors now or have been saying, bring, I want you to bring yourself to the role. And I wonder if it's because we have, because of social media, people have like lost some parts of their identity because they are so consumed in their phone. It's like, nobody's actually ever present anymore our focus has deteriorated. We, our social skills have, aren't super great because we're so used to communicating online, especially now after COVID. Like I know people are going to have social anxieties after this. And so I wonder if casting had realized the identity switch of people of just like people going in and just like reading the lines and I'm pretty. And you can look on my Instagram because I have 100,000 followers because I'm pretty and I'll read the lines. And so I wonder if they actually do that or say that to kind of force people to like 
be different or unique or bring something else to the role other than being pretty and just saying lines? I don't know. You know, that's possible. That's, that's an interesting thought. I, you know, it's hard because I'm not trying to speak for all casting directors, right? So different ones are going to have, it's not like every casting director I've ever been to was no, no, a no, degenerate no. who was like <laughs> social media, a hundred million followers or gal, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. a lot of casting directors are lovely or at least just neutral oh, yeah. where you don't feel any type of way about them. There's only a handful really that I've dealt with that were like, yikes, if I, mm-hmm. I don't want to come here, but at the same time I do, cause you cast like some really big things, but I, man, I wish you weren't so awful. Right. right, right. <laughs> no. And yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about it. Not all of them are like that. Totally. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's possible. I mean, it's definitely true that we have lost some of our humanity quite literally from social media and that so so social media it, it's a double-edged sword right there you can do a lot with it and i have definitely booked some work and met some people and had mm-hmm. some great things happen to me as a result of social media but it's also obviously something that is you know if not used properly toxic and literally changes the way your brain works we all now really need this instant gratification Yes. You know, mm-hmm. text messages, likes. I mean, the amount of notifications we just get on our phones, just that feeling of like the vibration, we got to pull it out immediately and check yeah. to see like who did what. Oh, what, what, what post did you like? How many, you know, how many people reacted to my story? You know, all this nonsense. It is sick. <laughs> I really yeah. is. I, it, I, I even notice like sometimes even if like my phone is somewhere and I'm next to someone and, you know, it like lights up and both whoever, both me and the other person are sitting there like, <gasps> like we look right to, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous. Like we even react to other people's phones when we like, no, it's like, that's not my phone, but I'm going to react because it's that addiction of like notification. I got a notification, instant gratification. Whew. And it's, it's rough. It's really rough. I see it just affecting everyone, maybe everyone other than my parents or older, the older generation. And I'm like, stay there, stay in that world. You don't want to come over here. My mom is like, keeps threatening that she's going to get on Facebook as if that's something that's going (laughs) to bother me. But but I keep telling them like, mom, trust me, it is not worth, like, you're just gonna, <laughs> I promise you, you don't, there's nothing on Facebook that you really need to see. It's like, just not worth it, you know? And she's like, you just don't want to teach me. It's like, that is also true, but, but, but it's in your best interest. I promise you. But to your point about, you know, the phone being on the table or whatever. Yeah. There is a, a great entrepreneur and public speaker named Simon Sinek. Sinek, not exactly sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he has loads of videos on, on YouTube and everything about really highlighting and, and exposing the, the dangers of social media and that sort of thing. And he's got this great thing where he says that the science is clear in that even having your phone on the table whether it's face up or face down, sends a subconscious uh, message to the people that you're with that they're not important enough to hold your attention. Therefore, something on your phone is going to be more pressing or more important to pull you away from whatever situation you're in, right in person. So 
after I heard stuff like that, that I mean, I've gone. Rough. That's yeah. rough. So I don't even put my phone on the table anymore. My phone lives on vibrate pretty much unless I'm expecting a, like a truly emergency level or like important phone call or, mm-hmm. or something, which is very rare. So it lives on vibrate. Mm-hmm. And if I can avoid, I always avoid it being on the table. It's in my pocket and my jacket and my bag or something like that. And I get to it when I'm done with the dinner or done with the meeting or yes. whatever. There's no need for it to be attached to us at all times, but we can't let it go because it's, it's done so much for, in terms of like the dopamine, like release, like serotonin, whatever. Yeah. It's like done. So much, like, we're so excited by all these notifications mm-hmm. and these things mm-hmm. that it's, it's hard to think about it like an addiction, but Simon also reveals in his videos. And, oh, and this is all backed by science, sure. right? This isn't yep. just oh, his opinion. I'm, I'm sure. I would yeah. believe it if it wasn't backed by science, honestly. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that we were kind of talking about before. There's objective truth mm-hmm. and then there's like opinion. Right. I'm not talking about my opinions on social right. media and all that stuff. I'm talking about the scientific evidence yes. that backs it up. Yes. Just for anybody out there who's like, yeah, whatever. It's <laughs> not that bad. It's like, no, it's really that bad. No. <laughs> so it's the cell phones and technology and in, 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 in the way that we use them, social media and all that stuff have the same effect on us as alcohol, drugs, gambling, Mm. and yet there's no restriction on, you know, when you can get a phone. Parents are just pushing the iPads in front of the kid's face, like from the moment they're born, just to kind of shut them up, right? Mm -hmm. Or, Or whatever. And look, I'm not a parent, so I can't pretend like I know how difficult that is. But all I'm saying is like in the long run, you're screwing us up, parents, by just throwing it at us. It's like, you know, it doesn't yes. matter that every other kid's got a got a phone at like eight. Your kid doesn't need one. Your kid will be the only one that's got social skills then. Yeah. And you can be proud of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's I, I mean, I. I oh, my gosh, I just I, I, I even put my phone on my phone is always the majority of the time it's on silent mm, yeah. because I which is even worse, I feel like than vibrate because it shows you how much I'm near my phone in order for it to be on silent all the time because I'm constantly checking it. But if I have it on a ringer or a vibration, I get, it's like, it's just, it makes me anxious. So I keep it on silent, but that's, that's a whole other thing. Like, well, I shouldn't, I, it shouldn't be Something so norm- normalized in our life should not be causing this much yeah. mental exhaustion, you know? For anybody who hasn't, in- including you, uh, wait, I can't remember. Have you seen The Social Dilemma on yes, Netflix? Yes, 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 I have. Okay. So before that movie was even over, I deleted Facebook off my phone. And, you know, pretty much as, as many as I could get rid of, because here's, here's the flip side of it, right? As an actor in 2021 who's not already famous or something, you can't not be on oh. social media. It's, it feels next to impossible because you need to be seen, mm-hmm. right? And you need as much exposure as possible because it's a, it's a statistic game, right? We were just talking earlier, the statistics mm-hmm. of, of making it. 
you increase those odds with the more exposure that you have. So if you're on none of the sites with any of your materials, then, you know, it's that much smaller of a pool of people who can find you. But right. if you are on uh, IMDb and YouTube and Vimeo and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and have a website and all those, you know, other things, it's hard for anybody to not Google your name and find you on page one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to, we have to use them to some degree, but I've turned off all notifications for, for even emails. So I have to go into the app to see if I have an email versus getting a push notification. Okay. You know, and the same mm-hmm. thing with all the social media stuff, just to limit as much as I possibly can, any direct sort of like, Hey, give me your attention from my phone. And right. I guarantee you that it has helped serve my relationships whether it be with my girlfriend, my friends, my family, colleagues, business, my own psyche. I mean, something I learned from my most recent acting teacher, Anthony Apeson, from the two-year program I was in with him. Yeah. Oh, did you know that I'm with Anthony as well? Yeah. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize you were with, okay. Yeah, I graduated, I'm sure graduated, in quotes, right? Well before you. I finished in like the summer of 2018. So, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, that was that oh, was my. Oh, I love shout out to Anthony Apeson. Shout out I, to oh Anthony Apeson. He's, he's a genius. He's literally. He's genius. I, 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 he must be the last acting guru of at least America because yeah, yeah you can go to like Larry Moss or something like that. But and I haven't been to Larry, so I can't say anything about Larry. But. In terms of craft and just like what I've heard of from colleagues that have gone back and forth from L.A. to New York, Anthony is one, someone who's trained with personally with Stella Adler, Adler Lee Strasberg, Jerzy Grotowski, Peter Brook, Larry. No. What's the last one? La- it's, Larry? No, it's, it's not. No. I don't think it's Larry now. I'm forgetting the last one, but there's some other big one that he trained with personally, but it's not important. The, 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 what's important is that he's trained with like the pillars oh. of the acting community yeah. from he's when amazing. this new realistic style of acting came to be after the whole, you know, you know, like uh, Hepburn, you know, the very dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, transatlantic way of acting. And it's all <laughs> this, you know, yes, once yes. we started to be like a little more like real human beings on camera. And on the stage, I mean, he was with that group of people and like traveled the world. And you cannot meet, I I don't think we'll meet anyone else like him. I mean, he's in his 70s, right? He's 74, 75 now. So he's 74, 75. He's if he's not the last, he's like one of the last that like actually know their shit like that. And so it's it's I'm so glad that I was able to train with him for a while. I know I'm. I feel the exact same way. He was like one of the best things that happened to me when I was living in New York. I was so same. I was just struggling so much because, you know, struggling actor living in New York, it's not easy. But and I his classes every week were like all I would look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, it, yeah, it just yeah. He's, he's amazing. I, he, I did some of my best work in that sure. class from Same. different plays and movies and, and stuff like that. And, and, and he truly made me feel that I was capable of, of more than what the industry was willing to call me in for. 
because you know it, from casting from a casting perspective i get a lot of like nerdy techie like emt one-liner kind of you know specialist you know ci you know csi tech guy or whatever and i don't know anything about that so when i do those things i'm like you guys gotta understand i have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about like <laughs> it's just a, like that's like your perception because you know a lot of people think i'm also a different ethnicity or mm. or whatever and so you know their perception is that so they call you in for that versus maybe the leading man stuff or, or things that would require a lot of development and and research and and whatnot. So when I was doing stuff like Othello and I did work from Tootsie and work from this play called Reasons to be Pretty by Neela Butte and stuff like that, I was blown away at the work that we were able to do, not because like I was so good, but because I felt confident after the fact that I could work with really intense and and like quality material like that. And I was more than just the CI, you know, Mm -hmm. CSI tech or, or, you know, any of those and roles. He's so, he's so realistic. He, to yeah. not, o- not only just in the acting industry, but the world in general. And so, it, you know, he make he, he really does help all of his students. Like you can tell he actually cares about us and he wants us to be the, the best version of whatever character we choose to, you know, work on. And like, I don't know. It's just you don't feel that from a lot of people anymore. But one of the things that he harps on is just getting off of our phones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we always have to acknowledge when we're late because that's a form of communication and you can't avoid it. And you have to look at people in the eyes and say, sorry, I'm late. And he teaches us literally social skills because of the, you know, he, he's from, he's 75 years old. He's from a completely generation, a different generation. And we're, and so he's seen it all. And I think he's really honestly disgusted by what's happening right now. Cause we, we, I feel like it comes up at least every other class where he's like, you guys are so desensitized to all of just feelings like and that's why we do so much environmental work because he's like what does something smell like do you even do you even realize smells now do you pick up on like what something feels like it's in and i remember when he started saying that that's when i was like oh yeah i just don't ever think about that stuff anymore yeah exactly the how much he cares is reflected in everything he does his pricing for his classes first off yes cheaper than anybody else that's worth their salt that Mm -hmm. i've ever seen it's reflected in the way that he talks to us and what he teaches and my whole point of bringing him up was one of the things is yes the put down your phone or whatever but more importantly the idea of unplugging and the people watching aspects of acting that can really bring in a performance because i can't tell you how many times that since he taught us that, and I really took it to heart, you know, it was about that time that I was like, well, he's so right. And then I went down the rabbit hole of like finding out the science, backing all that stuff or whatever. And I was like, Mm -hmm. he's right. And he doesn't like, I don't, I don't know if he understands how right he is in, in all these different ways, but he's so right. And, and so when I was, when I would take the train to go to class or, you know, just in general or whatever, 
sitting in the park, whatever it is, I would make as much of an effort as I could to not be on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I would people watch on the train or I would go and read whatever, you know, play I was reading at the time in Bryant Park or something, which is pretty close to the producer's club where he runs the classes. Right. And uh, I'd sit in that park and I just like watch people and I'd be like, I'm going to use that walk from that person for this character and this really bizarre voice (laughs) that accent was like super that person's laugh was outrageous i'm going to definitely take that and like you just get inspired and get all these ideas for you know costume pieces and and all these different things because if you don't have anything to pull to pull from for your characters you know you better be like really freaking imaginative then where you know you're, you're really just pulling it out of the out of thin air because I don't think right. most of us work that way or, or, you know, we don't have to have as, ma- as much imagination because of the way that the world is set up right now. So I, yeah. I took that to heart and I still do my best to unplug when I can so I don't lose all, all my humanity. I think that is awesome. I'm trying as, much, as best as I can. I could be better, but I agree. He definitely he's just amazing. He's opened, I think all of our, all of his students eyes to remember what it's like to be a human with feelings and like, and reactions. And yeah. And I, it's, I feel sad for the younger generation because I feel like when I was younger, I, I was, I was always in drama class or dance class or whatever. So I had like this outlet to be really creative and use my imagination constantly. And now making a TikTok video is like what kids do for creativity. And I mean, I'm sure that there is a level of, of creativity that they have to use in order to create it, but it's like, it's, it's so, yeah, it's just about like I'm I'm making this video in order to get followers and to get likes and it's like, "Oh my god, you were 10 years old." Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I I feel like it keeps getting pushed earlier and earlier and earlier into the ages. I'm like, "So are infants just going to have to be like they're going to come out of the womb and have a have a, a tablet explaining to them what to I don't know how to breathe." Like it's just it's it's really crazy it's sad it's and i see it affecting like all of the kids around me because i teach kids and it's all about instant gratification for them they have their focus is completely off they they always want to be on their phones too and like and it's really nice when i actually see them interacting together because i can see how excited and how they how they how, I don't know, like how they're just like vibing off of each other. And it's so nice when those moments happen, but it is also so incredibly hard to get them away from their phones because yeah. you're like, you're watching a bunch of kids and, you know, one person will run over and like, or be holding it in their pocket. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it has taken over our, it's taken over the world. Yeah. The, the good news is that there is, there is a fix. Right. It's not like, oh, it's all gone to shit, man. That's it. (laughs) You know, I think I think it's just like anything else where uh, moderation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, use social media to get yourself ahead or have fun or connect with people and all the ways that it's supposed to, you know, be good. But 
you know, if you take measures like turning off the push notifications and have mm-hmm. it be a thing where you're like, oh yeah, if you can get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, I should check my, you know, my Facebook or something and see if I missed anything or, or, you know, catch up with some friend that I haven't seen in a while, then that's probably a lot better than you need to, or you don't even think you think about it, but however many times a day you're pulling out your phone and you're sifting through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever. And you're just all, you know, you go, people have their routines where they go from one app to the other. And it's the same uh, order every time. It's, it's almost mechanical in that sense, a muscle memory type thing, if you will. So if you can avoid being a slave to social media and, and, you know, reap all the benefits and, and, but like not get caught up in, in that nonsense, then great, go for it. I don't even think that I've mastered that yet, but um, I'm working on it. Mm. And I, I will also say that I'm so turned off by social media, probably more than most, that I don't actively try to get such a huge following on it. I, mm-hmm. I, I have a presence and I have my stuff out there for people to find me, but I'm not looking for like a, a million followers by some video or something that I do. So. I'm not as consistent on the social media. I think that helps that I don't have a desire. To- well, that I, that's why I was ex- I was excited to have you on because I think you bring a fresh perspective to this topic because so many people are trying to have a presence and like have the have the push notifications always popping up and like and it was when we first spoke I was really refreshing talking to someone who's like yeah I'm not really like you've kind of taken yourself out of that world as much as you can and then you know obviously for acting purposes you have what you need and you have your content out there but it is really nice to to I think do what you what you've kind of chosen to do. And obviously you're not off of all social media and you're saying like, you're still working through it, but I think it, it seems like it's helped you mentally in some ways. I don't know. You can answer that. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, if it's not social media, there's something else. I mean, the the, the global circumstances don't make for like anxiety free life right now. So of course there's something to be concerned about, but I will say that at least on the social media front. Yeah. I think because the reason I'm so turned off by it is because of just truly letting the facts and the science sink in where it's like, wow, this is so dangerous. It's the same reason that I don't drink daily or that I don't do meth or something. It's like, it's not good for you. So, I mean, not to say that, because I know that there are probably, you know, YouTubers and, and, and people that are diehard you know, social media people listening to this who are going to be like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And if you do it, I'm not here to argue with anybody or or my way is better. This is what works for you. Yeah. For my peace of mind and the way that I go by, I'm not willing to be a social media sensation by hustling and and jiving and grooving in, in the ways that you have to for that. I'm also, I didn't also, I should say that I didn't become an actor for fame. So that's another thing. I'm not knocking anybody who wants to be famous. If that's your goal, cool. And like, you're doing that. That's your goal and you accomplish that. Congratulations. Like that's the American dream. Go for it. But I did it to 
tell stories and to mm -hmm. create unforgettable characters and to, you know, change the hearts and minds of people around the world exactly. and, and to send the elevator back down when I make it so people can, you know, be more in the know, be yeah. more open and welcome and uh, loving and all that fun stuff. Make people laugh. That's like my favorite thing in the world. If I can make somebody laugh, teach them a little something like, you know, whatever, I, that, my day is made. So that, another reason why I'm not obsessed with the whatever, like if I have something to post, mm -hmm. if I booked a job or got into a festival with my show or have some achievement or whatever, or something exciting or fun or positive to share, I'll share that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and that'll be out for the world, but I'm not going to manufacture sort of fakeness or making my life look better than it really is to create FOMO or just to make it seem like I have more going on than I do or right. any of the things that we can easily get caught up with in social media because of, you know, this weird competitive capitalistic thing where it's mm -hmm. like, you always got to be, especially with actors and people in entertainment, we always got to seem busy, always got to be booked and all that stuff, whatever. Yes. And it's like, the fact of the matter is like, oftentimes we're not, we're not booked and we're just like yeah. hustling to get booked but yes. that's okay it is okay it is okay it is okay and i think it's it's better i'm more attracted to content that from people who show that rather than you know that's the type of content for me personally that i'm like oh okay like it does it doesn't give me anxiety or whatever or it's like something that i read and you know it's of someone who's like yeah today was a rough day this is how i got through it I went to three auditions. It started to rain. I walked in and I was soaking wet. Yeah. Um, I, saw, I, I forgot my side, you know, like, and, but I, I found that it made me more authentic in the room because I was totally present, you know, like things like that, or just when people are more open and honest and you can, you can tell when, when something is coming from a vulnerable place or from truth of some sort. And I think that, using that the platform in that way social media platforms are i i don't know i think they're that it's always it's always good to see that people are not just a filtered version of themselves Although yeah you if if you want any real authenticity to be shared with the world then then i think that's what it takes you have to let go of the idea that you know, you need to grab attention, right? Because that's when you mm -hmm. have to start manufacturing things versus if you're open and honest, you might get that huge following because of that, or you might not. You might have yeah. more of a niche following, but at least the people that follow you actually care about what you have to say and are yeah. interested in, in what you have going on. So, and that's what I did with, with my show, Peas in a Pod. Yes, I, yes, yes. Talk about that. It's, it's a comedy series that I created, wrote, and starred in. And it's basically two, <laughs> first off, don't you love that people always start something with, it's basically, it's like, why are we always making things basic? <laughs> why, why do we have to dumb it down? Well, you think people can't under, understand the, the full explanation of, try me, try me. I bet you I can handle the more thorough explanation. Don't, don't basic. Anyway, it's, it's about two millennials from completely different backgrounds mm -hmm. meeting on a blind date. Okay. And on paper, everything seems perfect, but something just isn't quite right. They come to find out that they're actually perfect as friends. And as luck would have it, I need a roommate and she needs a room. So we decide to live with each other. And it's, it really explores what a male-female platonic friendship is 
in addition I to culture that. clashing and and all that stuff. So the web series is set in Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan and stuff. But we raised 15 grand for that. And oh I gosh. did the best that I could. So yeah, that's, that sounds like a lot of money. But for those of you not, people in the industry know that that's pennies, right? We know that yeah. that's, that's nothing. So I, let me just be clear. And like 15 grand is nothing to shoot a seven episode web series with high quality. Right. However, I pulled as many favors as I could. I, you know, called every friend and, and did the best I could to, yeah, you know, to make it work. And I'm actually really proud <gasps> of what we came up with. That's and awesome. so far, we've gotten into 12 festivals. And we, we won one of them. And I also personally won uh, an award at that same festival for, uh, for acting. So... Awesome. Congrats. Thank you so much. And well, and I say all this not to like pat myself on the back, but it's like, it was my (laughs) first try. Pat yourself on the back because that's that's pretty great. I still am. I'm still patting, but but I, but I didn't say it to pat. Mm -hmm. I say it to say that it was my first try at like being involved from a project from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason that it resonated the way that it did and it it has the niche following and, and the reviews and all the stuff that it does is because I was as authentic as I could be because I knew that that was a topic that I hadn't seen really done in an episodic format, just like a man and a woman, just like being friends, like it. And it's not because one of them is gay or one of them is, is out of the other's league, so they right. can never get together. It's like they choose that there's no romantic chemistry, but they really I jive as human beings. I, and it's weird. I'm like, no one's done that before, but like, I've never watched, I've never seen anyone do that. Yeah. There's That's- always a will they, won't they thing, you know, like a Ross Rachel totally. situation, because it's a tried and true method uh, of you know or or setup in a in a tv show so it that's why they do it because it works but i think that we are in an era where people are looking for the thing that's different so you know not only is there that aspect to it but you know we are dealing with things that are not just regular everyday comedy right we have an episode where we go into a deli and everybody thinks I'm Indian. And of course I'm not, I'm, I'm Cape Verdean, for those of you who don't know. And so- Ethnically ambiguous. Yes, eth- ethnically ambiguous, but I'm Cape Verdean, which is a chain of islands off the Northwest coast of Africa, Just west of Senegal. And uh, there are 10 islands. I have family from several different islands, but you know, we're a very mixed looking group of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on the island and your family and all that stuff, you can look like, straight up like undeniably African, or you can look super Euro. There are Asian Cape Verdeans. It's, it's a very interesting mix of people, but there's a whole blow up about everybody assuming that I'm Indian and that I work there and all that stuff. You know, there's an episode about germophobia. There's an episode about, you know, Uh, opening up your horizons and letting go of control and growing up a little bit. So there's this nice mix of things that are very specific to me. I was just about to say specific to you, which is great that you kind of, that you made it for yourself in a way. That's what actors need to do now. Right. Well, we all do this. Yeah. You, you, you know, if we're not booking consistently, make your own content. Yeah, there's a great quote that I love from Samuel Jackson. And he says that 
he does everything that he does because he wants to see himself doing that thing. And so yeah. he's like, I don't get why people like Johnny Depp or whatever don't want to watch their own movies. They're like, well, if you don't watch it, why the fuck do I want to watch it? That's that a wasn't point. a good Samuel Jackson impression. Wasn't really trying, but whatever. <laughs> but the point is that it's like, yeah, I mean, I want to see myself you know, as a Jedi or, you know, gunslinging in the West or in space or, you know, whatever. So I wanted to see myself as the leading man of a comedy series that had dramatic elements to it, where I had pretty much complete creative control because I created it and wrote it. And so I know the jokes, I know the source material, and I developed that thing for years before we actually shot it. And so I wanted to see that and and i did it and you Mm -hmm. have to you have to do that whether you're making it yourself or you're getting together with like a bunch of people who can do that or you get cast in the thing you have to believe that you and like somebody that looks like you if they're not doing like a bunch of prosthetics or you know whatever (laughs) can be in whatever that situation is right it's not you but it's like it's it's your your essence and you know oh yeah That is, uh, that's awesome. That's so great. And I, and I think this is a plus of social media is that because it has, it's so popular and such a, uh, a big part in all of our lives, it is open doors for people to, they're just more diversity being exposed and like shown you know, like, you know, body positivity and, you know, other you, you're not seeing commercials that are just like people who are white, blonde hair, blue eyes. Like you're seeing a, you're starting to see a range of people who are coming out and being like, yeah, I felt like I had no one to like look up to in the media because I didn't see anyone like me. But I'm going to but I know that I'm beautiful. So and that's like the whole self-love thing that I feel like has come out of this whole movement that is a positive of social media is that people are learning to love themselves and be comfortable expressing that to hundreds, thousands, however many followers you have. And that's the beautiful part of it. And so like, it's very similar to you creating this project for yourself is that it's authentic to you. And that's all that's really important is that you're showing truth and, and, that in itself is beautiful. And that just like shows your self-love for yourself because you're like, I know I'm worthy of being the lead in a show. I know I can do it. And I know that I'm, I, I, it's possible because I wrote it and I'm starring in it and look it. And now you can see it and realize that it's, it's really great. So it's like, it's things like that. I really love about social media. And so, and we can obviously find your, your uh, web series, right? Where can we find it? It's not on any platform whatsoever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, I, yes, you can find it on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, Instagram, IMDb. We have an IMDb page just for the show. Yeah, I mean, we use Seed and Spark. So without the, uh, and that's a form of social media, right? It's crowdfunding, but without Seed and Spark, we wouldn't have been able to raise a budget to, to shoot the thing. And within the show, to your point about, you know, self-love and and diversity, we have representation from all kinds of groups, from, you know, millennials and and Gen Zs all the way to, you know, boomers and 
that's probably the oldest generation that's uh, what's before boomers. I don't even. Uh, oh, I don't know. What is before boomers? I don't know. But we have people in their We're in their like 60s and 70s in the show <laughs> as well. Yeah, I'm just trying to be respectful for any of them that might be listening. But so we have that. We have LGBTQIA mm-hmm. representation in the show all kinds of different skin tones and socioeconomic backgrounds and stuff. And I purposely cast very frequently in the show opposite to type just to kind of turn some things on their heads and be like, yes, somebody who looks like this could very well be doing this job or, or whatever. And of course it also turned out that a lot of those people were my friends. So it made it easier to cast them because it was like, I already know you or at least know of you, you know, you're Mm -hmm. in my circles. I know you're talented and I prefer you because you're going to bring a layer of authenticity to it. And there's, you know, you know how many of them, which really make me happy, say, you know, have thanked me for the opportunity to play a character that they just don't ever really get to play. Um, One that's, you know, layered and, and not the same old song and dance. And it's like, that's what I want to do. Grand scheme. Like I really respect somebody like Tyler Perry, who's created an empire. And not that I necessarily am trying to follow in his footsteps or do the exact same thing, but in my own way, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to help the people of Cape Verde, the people of New Bedford, you know, lift them up, uh, lift up all the different marginalized groups and the, and the historically disenfranchised, because it's like, there are so many stories and and faces and things that we need to see and hear. So yeah, there's a lot of self-love and, and I'm glad that you said that because it's, it's really a huge difference from between confidence and cockiness, yes. right? I'm not trying to be cocky about any of this stuff, but in order to be an actor and to be successful and to do these crazy things, you need to have a level of confidence that, you know, that some might consider cocky because they're made insecure by it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. don't, you're not going to make it. That you, the, the, the doubts and the insecurities are going to be too crippling and you're going to just, you know, fade into obscurity. So I have to believe that I'm good enough and what mm-hmm. I have to say as an artist and my abilities and my skill that I'm building mm-hmm. over time and all that stuff is good enough. Otherwise, I'll never be able to help all the people that I want to help. Exactly. But you're already doing it. Exactly. We're just talking, you know, bigger, bigger scale as time goes yeah, on. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I want a production company. I want to, I want this studio. I mm-hmm. want, you know, multiple companies globally to be able to employ all kinds of people and have them actually afford to live, you know, living wages, not just uh-huh. like, you know, minimum yeah. or anything. So, so um, ever, we've all heard it 2021, hopefully 10 years from now, we'll see you with all of these things. It'll happening. be a completely, it's really bizarre. Cause if I, story. Yeah. Well, if I think about where I was 10 years ago and I think about where I am now, it's like, well, yeah, we're making moves. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, this is so awesome. I loved this so much. If people want to find you, where can they find you? I know social media. We got <laughs> to pl- plug your social media. We got to plug about, it. We're talking about it. But if people want to get into contact with you or support yes. you in any sort of way, yes. let them know. Yes. Let me just say to the to those of you again, not not shitting on social media. I just yeah. want us all to use it to our best advantage in a healthy way. You don't mm-hmm. drink every day. You don't need social media all day every day. So, but yes, you can find me so we can connect and collaborate, or you can enjoy my work or whatever on every platform that's out there. <laughs> pretty much, 
So my, my personal Instagram is, is Alex Joseph Pyers. My website is Alex J Pyers, and that's got links to everything else, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, IMDb, you name it. But it's either Alex J Pyers or Alex Joseph Pyers everywhere. And you can find my show, Peas in the Pod, yes. the, the web series version anyway. Peas in the Pod series on Instagram. And of course, there's the IMDb and everything else or whatever. So go on YouTube, go on Vimeo, watch that shit, laugh, yes. learn a little something about some culture, about some, some relationships between men and women and that they don't uh-huh. always have to be sexualized. Um, <laughs> I freaking love this. Everyone yeah. better go watch support Alex because I this is awesome this is really great thank Thank you you so so much much for being on here this is awesome Uh, thanks for having me I love always having like an open candid conversation with somebody about something real so so it was really nice to just kind of like cut the shit and get get to it you know I I feel you that I need this type of conversation because it's so lacking in my life currently because of the state of the world so I very much appreciate it (laughs) Okay, and that's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. Please make sure to like and subscribe and download the episodes, leave reviews. Check me out on Instagram, Bianca Vitali with three E's underscore. Um, Or you can check the Beautifully Nasty Pod Instagram and Twitter for any updates on new episodes. And the website is live, so go and check it out www.thebeautifullynastypodcast.com it is live i'm so excited the merch page is coming we are making moves people and it is all because of you thank you for just all of the support and love it's it feels it feels so great it feels wonderful so uh i appreciate y'all and remember to take care of yourself love on yourself this week and um do something nice I'll see you all next week. Bye.